actually between the meeting and uh, production, some things have changed. <laughs> um, okay, well, let's get straight into it. So, so for the next eight weeks, we're going to be looking at Psalm 23. Who loves Psalm 23? I absolutely love it. If you haven't read it, then you should get into it. It's uh, probably what the most beloved Probably the most well-known, most recognised, even by non-church people, Psalm 23. People would have probably heard it, quoted or heard it at some point in some way. It was written by King David, uh, who was uh, a great man in the Old Testament. If you don't know his story, then I encourage you to read that in uh, 1, Samuel, 1, uh, 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. You can uh, read his life. Incredible life. And he wrote many of the Psalms. Um, but you, when you look at this psalm overall, uh, it really, to me, it just it, it oozes a, a confidence and assurance uh, in great circumstances and also in difficult circumstances. Um, he doesn't uh, proclaim that you know life with the Lord is just one big high, uh, but all throughout the, the valleys and the highs. He, there's, a, there's a confidence, there's an assurance, there's a, a spirit, if you like, that God is his shepherd and that he's working all things out for good, no matter what's going on, that he's there. So I'm going to be looking at uh, some the different verses over the next number of weeks. And this morning, we want to look at the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Uh, the very first verse and I think if you, if you read through the story of David, you know, David was a shepherd as a young boy, uh, looked after sheep. And so his understanding of that um, relationship, uh, he helped him uh, as in an understanding of what God is like. When he looked at the way he looked after those sheep, how he cared for them, how he nurtured them, how he protected them, how he guided them. Uh, he could see the correlation between his care for those sheep and his uh, love and dedication and commitment to them as God's is to us. And so uh, there's a, there was a spirit and an understanding, I think a revelation that probably came you know, out there on the hills of Bethlehem at night on his own looking after sheep because that's what shepherds did. Um, and spending those times, many of the Psalms he wrote uh, during those early years of uh, relationship with God and, and some difficult times for him. Uh, it doesn't say it explicitly, but again, if you read through, the, through David's story, you can see that you know, he probably grew up uh, a little bit um, uh, ignored by his father, um, so there could have been some um, relational issues there. He was overlooked when the, the uh, prophet came looking for a son of one of his... Uh, the prophet came to his father, Jesse, said, one of your sons, God's told me to anoint as king. And he said, bring all your sons in. And, and his dad didn't even, didn't even bring him in. <laughs> That's how well regarded he thought of him. Um, so some rejection issues there, some daddy issues maybe, some... Uh, uh, all these things that go on that, that are sort of uh, subliminal or, or under the surface when we read through people's lives in the Bible. <clears throat> um, but I think it, through all of that, maybe a sense of alienation or, or uh, rejection, uh, that he came to see that 
God was the one that was never going to leave him, that was never going to overlook him, that was never going to um, uh, let him fall. And as you read through the Psalms, you see a, an understanding of the relationship with God that he had that has obviously been put in the Scriptures so that we also can glean and also get that same revelation that God is our shepherd. And although we don't live in that pastoral context, uh, we can begin to understand as we look at it, God's care and concern for us. Um, so he starts off, the Lord is my shepherd. And, you know, the Lord, that in and of itself was a revelation. Um, that word, um, it's, the, it's the name that uh, God revealed himself to Moses in the early stages of Israel's history um, when they were just coming out of captivity and when Moses said, uh, tell me who, who you are so I can tell them, he said, I am who I am. That word there, Yahweh in the Greek, in the Hebrew or, or Jehovah in the Latin means the Lord. It means uh, the great I am. Um, and it speaks of God's transcendence. It speaks of God's total otherliness. It speaks of his omnipotence, his power and his authority. And so when David says, the Lord is my shepherd, he was talking about a God that he'd come to know that was all of those things for him. That he was all-powerful, that he was omnipotent, that he was beyond earthly or human, that he was God. And he's saying, the Lord, that Lord, that's the Lord that's my shepherd. And it's important that we understand who our God is. Who our shepherd, is he that Lord? Is he that all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipotent, omniscient, caring, nurturing God? Is that the God that you see as the person that is caring for your life? Because that doesn't just come by us looking at our circumstances and declaring, oh, well, God must be good because everything's good in my life. It comes through a revelation. It comes through a, a, a relationship with God that has developed that where God reveals himself to us. And despite where we're at and despite what's going on in our world, we see that the Lord, the Almighty One, the All-Sufficient One, the Omnipotent One, the Totally Other One, He's the one that is in my life. He's the one that's looking after me. He's the one that is caring for me. That is where David begins. That's where the psalm starts. The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. He's my God. He's my Lord. He's my shepherd. And it's because of that understanding, he goes on to say, that's why I'll never lack. That's why I won't want that's why everything's going to be okay in my life. David knew that this God was the leader of his life. And he developed that relationship through time spent with God. If we really want to know who God is, if we really want to understand his attributes, his character, then we have to spend time with him, any relationship is developed through time together, isn't it? <clears throat> uh, intimacy with God. And so it is important that we are able in our busy lives to find that time to just 
sit and wait on the Lord. And the Bible talks about it over and over again, about waiting on the Lord, about resting in the Lord. And, you know, we find these things so hard to do in our, in our world and in our, in our society at the moment, and yet they are, they're vital, really, to us having a grounding in our relationship with God where when the storms do come and the Bible says they'll come and when the winds come, just like the man who built his house upon the rock and the one who built his house upon the sand, um, it doesn't say if the storms come, it says when the storms come. When the storm came, that house, that both the houses were shaken, but one fell and one stood simply because it says they heard the word and they obeyed the word. But the ability to obey God's word, the ability to, to step out in faith when the scriptures say to do something comes from a, an understanding and a relationship with the God who said those words. It's not just, oh, okay, I'm just going to read this and I'm going to do it. Any act of faith, any act uh, where you're stepping out of your comfort zone takes a level of trust, takes a level of relationship. And so we have to have experienced that God. We have to know uh, spiritually, if you like, that he can be trusted and that he, that, that he is the God he says he is. Then we can step out and trust him. But that comes only as we spend time with him and we get to know him. Uh, David knew, David knew that the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, he was his shepherd. He knew who he was. He knew his characteristics. He knew his power and his authority. And therefore, he could declare that I will not lack. Uh, just as a side note before I get on to the second part, isn't it interesting that David, even when he was king, and we don't know when he wrote this, this particular um, psalm, David recognized, even though he was a king, that he also needed a shepherd. It doesn't matter where we're at in our life. Sometimes we can think, well, we're at a certain stage, certain age, a certain socioeconomic level, a certain level of authority in life that we no longer need somebody to talk or speak into our world. Um, maybe we're happy to listen to, to God, but if you read the story of David, <clears throat> he had two other significant people that spoke into his life. There was Nathan the prophet and there was <clears throat> Abiathar uh, the priest. And so, although he trusted in God, he also had significant people speaking into his world. He didn't think, well, I'm king, I don't need to listen to anybody. Because I'm king, I don't need to have accountability to anybody. And if you read the, st if you read the story, he also needed accountability uh, in his own life. And that's why, um, even though he had an intimate relationship with God, he still had other people in our lives. And that's what the church is about. Some people think, oh, I only need a relationship with God and the Lord's my shepherd and I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be connected and fellowship with other people because the Lord's my shepherd. Uh, but even David, who wrote that scripture, recognized the importance of being in community. He also says in other scriptures, you know, um, that he longed for that when he wasn't able to go to the temple or the church to be in that place and the fond memories he had and the, the connection and so being in connect group which we you know we run all over the place different connect groups connect group leaders being in fellowship being in connection being in church 
is a vital part of walking with the Lord and the Lord being our shepherd. And so uh, it's interesting to note that. So the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. Um, I don't believe this is just a statement of David, but it's a confession. It's a declaration. Because uh, if you look at his life, if you read the story, you can see that there were times in his life when he did lack. So is he saying, I'm never going to lack, I'm never going to be without, I'm never going to want because the Lord's my shepherd. Well, uh, if you read his story, there were times. There was times when he, for 10 years he was on the run from Saul, living hand to mouth, possibly being killed at any moment. Uh, if you read through the stories and some of the other star, Psalms, there was times where he was, <clears throat> he was uh, struggling, uh, he was under pressure, he was in difficulty. So I don't believe that it's a statement just because the Lord is our shepherd that we're never going to have a hard time, we're never going to have a trial, never going to have a difficult moment, never going to have stress, never going to have pressure in our lives. What he's saying is, if the Lord's my shepherd, that Lord, the one who I know to be Jehovah, Yahweh, the Lord, if he's my shepherd, then I'm not going to lack. That there will be a sufficiency and there will be an overflow at some point, he is going to bring me through. That, and I think if we have this th- thinking that somehow as a believer, as a Christian, that there's, well, you're never going to have a challenge in life, then you're, going to, uh, you're never going to make it. Because life has challenges. Life has difficulties that come. And David had his fair share. And so it's not, just a, a, it's not just a statement of fact, it's a confession, it's a declaration, it's a mindset, it's an attitude that David had. Because he knew who the Lord was, I shall not lack. God is going to make up every deficiency. He is going to bring me through my time of loneliness, my time of challenge, my time of oppression. Everything that comes my way, he's going to make it up and he is going to be the one who brings me through. I shall not lack. This, and I honestly believe this is, God's, this is God's will for our life, to understand that that's the God that we serve. God's will for every life. That if we trust in God, He will bring us through and, and His desire is for an abundance in every area of our life. Overflow. And we'll look at this later on, but He says, I shall not lack. Later on, He goes to say, my cup runs over. There is an abundance, an overflowing abundance in my life. So I want to look at uh, this. I've got a few, uh, just a few points. Number one, I shall not lack because lack is a thief. Lack is a thief of God's desire and his purpose um, because it's clear in the scriptures that God's desire is that we do overflow in every area of our life. That blessing comes into our world and that as it overflows, there's enough to give away in every area of our life. When we lack peace, then we are being robbed of God's desire and blessing in our life. If we're living with anxiety, if we're li- living with uncertainty, if there's a lack of peace in our life, then, it's, then we are being robbed because the Bible clearly says the Lord gives strength to his people, the Lord blesses his people with peace. He is the Prince of Peace. And so it's important that, that we understand that peace is a blessing that God wants us to live with. 
that we can have peace in our life, that it's not dependent upon where we're currently at and where our bank account currently is at and where the relationships are currently at and where all these things are in our life and because they're not all lining up therefore we're feeling anxious no but peace is not dependent upon those things it's it's a blessing of the Lord if the Lord is our shepherd then peace is provided just like a good shepherd provides water and and uh, and green pastures and leads them into that place the Lord is saying If he's our shepherd, then he's going to lead us to a place of peace. Peace is available. It may not come easily, but I also believe that worry is a habit. Anxiety is a habit that we develop. And sometimes if we're not feeling anxious, we're not feeling worried, we think somehow we're being, um, uh, we're, we're not actually caring. And so we just, we just think that worry is a part of life, but And that doesn't mean that we ignore things that are going on in our world, but to be able to cast our cares, our burdens upon the Lord, who is our shepherd that wants to take them, is a skill and an art and a a thing that God wants us to do. Now, we can hold on to it if we want. We can carry it if we want. But he's saying that if I'm your shepherd, then I can take that from your life and I can carry that burden where you know that I'm going to bring you through this financial situation. I'm going to bring you through this relational situation. I'm going to bring you through this difficulty, this time of grief or whatever's going on in your world. I will carry that burden for you. Whether we decide to hand that over to God or not is our choice. But he's saying that I will and am willing to take that from you. When we have a lack of self-esteem, and many of us do for different, for different reasons, different times, I think uh, the scriptures make it clear that, that we are being robbed of God's desire and blessing and desi- uh, desire and blessing for our life. It says in Psalm 139, verse 13, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. If you read through that Psalm 139, it is incredible that God is saying, No, you are fearfully and wonderful. You you're an incredible individual that I've shaped and formed and given skills and abilities and talents. And if we are feeling insecure and if we're lacking self-esteem and if we're insufficient in confidence, it's not because God isn't making those things available. It's because we're looking to other indicators and other things to give us that confidence, that assurance, that self-esteem. But if we go to God, if we say, God, I'm feeling inadequate, I'm feeling um, unable in this place, then he will bring confidence. He will bring self-assurance so that we can do what we're asked to do and live in a confident way, not a, not a self-glorifying way, but a way where we're not ashamed and we're not uh, feeling inadequate and w- in certain um, places or in certain people's presence, uh, that we feel like we're somehow inferior or they're superior and God's saying, no, I'm giving you a spirit that no matter where you are or what you're doing, you know who you are. And you can stand in assurance to that, that wherever other people are at, that no, you are a wonderfully made individual. And so that comes from God. That comes from the shepherd that wants abundance in our lives, in every area of our life. 
an overflow of confidence in who we are and who God's made us to be and what we're able to do. An abundance and an overflow of, of um, peace and assurance in our world so that we are not incapacitated, so that we're not crippled by anxieties and pressures and worries about oftentimes things that are potential. Most of the things we worry about are not things that are actually happening. They're things that we think might happen. If this and this and this happens, well, I'm finished. <laughs> and so we, we just worry about things. And yet the Bible says, cast your fears, your concerns, your worries upon the Lord. And so whenever we, you know, if we lack hope, it's not because the Lord is not leading us to a, a flowing stream of hope. If we lack um, resources or wisdom or opportunity, it's not because God is not making those things available. He leads us. He is our shepherd. We shall not lack. We shall not want of those things. They are available. You can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make him drink. That's our part. God will take us to places in his word and say, look what I've provided. Look what's laying here before you. But are we truly going to accept it, believe it, take it on board and begin to walk it out and live it? Because that's the first thing that happens before oftentimes our circumstances begin to change. That we are walking by faith and trust in what God says before it becomes a reality in our life. So we're declaring, I am not worried. I am not worried. But we're actually feeling worried. But that's okay. We're, we're beginning to say what God says. Just like David here saying, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want. I believe that he was confessing that when he was lacking, when he was in want. But he's saying God has provided. He will make an abundance. And so it's important that we don't allow the devil to rob us of the things that God has laid before us that make life so enjoyable. I mean, anxiety robs us of our joy. Fear robs us of the joy of life and our future and, our, and our, just our relationships and everything. Stolen away. The devil comes to rob, kill and destroy and so it's important that we understand that if the Lord is our shepherd, he is providing in every area of our life. So, the, so lack, is a, lack is a thief robbing us of the things that God's made available. Lack is a liar. Proverbs 13.23 says this, Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, but for lack of justice there is waste. What the scripture is saying is there is abundant provision by God to meet all of our needs in every area of our life. And yet oftentimes because of injustice, it's not recognized. It's not resourced. It's not, it doesn't become available. You know, uh, to lie and deceive a people group, to keep them oppressed, to keep them bound, helpless, limited, in servitude by withholding education, by withholding knowledge, by withholding... Uh, resources uh, is an injustice, a complete injustice to those people in God's desire and plan, robbing people of opportunity, of self-belief, dignity and hope. 
And, you know, if you look at, and you, if you read the history of, of expansionism and colonialism, many times when that has taken place, that's exactly what they did by robbing people of, of knowledge, of freedom, of understanding of their circumstances or what's going on. They were able to keep people, whole people groups in servitude, bound down and, and compliant to their desires and their wishes. And so all throughout history you see it. Um, but it's as much as, injust- as an injustice, and I believe also an insidious lie where the devil has sown into the psyche of the church that somehow it's godly and divine to be poor or to lack or to be sick or to be weak or any of these truths that somehow we somehow in our psyche this thing has come in that if you uh, go without, somehow you're more divine, you're, you're more pure there's a line of purity because, you, because of lack. And if you read through the scriptures, it is a lie of the devil to keep the church oppressed, pressed down, not understanding, not knowing the knowledge so that we would be in servitude to the world and not be able to do the things that God has called us to do. It is a plan that has been, it has worked through generations, through, through his, the history of the world. That's the way they did it. If you look at the... If you look at the Indians through uh, um, English colonization, if you look at the West Indies, if you look at America, if you look at areas of expansionism, colonization, the uh, American Indians, they would come in, they would keep them uh, ignorant, they would refuse education, they would keep them compliant so they did not know what was available. That is exactly what the devil has tried to do to the church. That if we don't have resources, if, we're not, if we don't have uh, hope, if we don't understand what God has given us, therefore we can't rise up and be the church that God wants us to be and have the influence in the world that God wants us to have as the church to be the head and not the tail, to be above us only and not beneath. That's God's desire. That's his plan. That's his hope for you and for I. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. Lack is not of God. Lack is not a blessing. If you lack water and you're living in a desert, that's not a blessing. Lacking food is not a blessing. Lacking finances is not a blessing. God's purpose and plan is for our life, for your life, for the church overall, is an overflowing and abundant life. John 10.10, I have come that you might have life and life in abundance. And if ever in our thinking, in our mindset, if there's some, some ideal that has come through either church tradition or, or some other avenue to think that because you don't have anything, you're closer to God, we need to read and understand the scriptures that lack has never been God's desire for his people or his church. God is a God of the overflow. Hosea 4.6 says this, My people perish because of a lack of knowledge, a lack of understanding. That word perish there means to cease to be, to be cut off, to be destroyed. God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and he spoke to the people saying that people are perishing because they don't understand my plan and my purpose and my desire for their life and for their future. So they are perishing because of an understanding. There is power in what we think. 
in the way we pursue, uh, uh, we view the world, in our paradigms, in our worldview, in our mindsets. And we need to take a step back sometimes and say, why do I think this way? Where has that thought come from? Has it come out of God's word? Where does it say that? Because if I, when I read the scriptures, when I look at the word, I see a God of abundance. I see a God of overflow. I see a God who wants to bless and not to curse. And it's important and vital for us as individuals, as leaders of our families, of our church, if we're leaders in the church, that we have an abundant and an overflowing spirit. Does that mean we're never going to have situations where, where we're in need? Absolutely not. That's not what David was saying because we can look at his life and understand that obviously that's not what he was saying because there were times. But it was a spirit. It was a mindset. It was an attitude that God is going to be there in every step of the way. He is going to bring me through. There is going to be provision. There is going to be an abundance of everything I need as I walk with God. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. That sounds like an overflow word to me. Immeasurably more than all we ask, think or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. That doesn't sound like lack. That sounds like abundance. That sounds like overflow. Romans 5.15. Some of these scriptures I don't have up there because I want you to hear them. Romans 5.15. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by that grace, the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? When it comes to grace, see, somehow we think, oh, if it comes to grace, yeah, there's an abundance. Oh, no, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I will lack. I mean, that doesn't even, that doesn't even feel right, does it? The Lord is the one that looks after me. He's my God, therefore I'm going to lack all the days of my life. It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't, even, it doesn't even sound right. Overflow. Overflow. When it comes to grace, His grace overflows. There's more than enough for any person that comes to Him who repents, who says, Lord, I need you in my life. Forgive me of these sins. He doesn't go, look, uh, these ones are all covered by my grace, but these other ones, they're beyond it. They're a bit too bad. They're a, too, they're a bit too big. Therefore, there's not grace for everything. There's a grace for some things. No, His grace overflows. His abundance overflows when it comes to sin and wrongdoing and forgiveness. All these things, we're happy to go, yes, God's a God of abundance. But when it comes to financial blessing, when it comes to provision, when it comes to uh, uh, anxiety, all these, oh, no, 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 that's not godly. No, 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 that's That's worldly. Because we've got a lack over here. Yes, you want to have an abundance of grace and, and, and good works and abundance of uh, language. And, and, but no, not, not these other things. Not these worldly things. No, God says everything. I'm, abundant, I'm an abundant God in everything I do. I want to bring an abundance. Um, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope... 
May the God of hope. I love this verse. Oh, I just, I just noticed. I made a major fashion faux pas this morning. Something Nicole told me. Don't you ever do that. I got up this morning and I couldn't find any black socks. So I wore white socks with black pants. <laughs> I just looked down and saw my white socks. I thought if Nick sees them, she's going to give me a hard time. <laughs> so... Has anybody else got white socks on with black pants this morning? Anybody? <laughs> let, let, me just, let me just hide them. <laughs> An overflow of fashion. That <laughs> matches my shirt. Uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may... Lack hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. No, so that you may overflow with hope. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the God, the, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound. You will overflow in every good work. These are the themes of the Bible. Does that mean that, that, that it, and this is where we sometimes get it wrong, that we think somehow that then it's talking about just accumulation, that it's talking about, uh, that it's just talking about um, consumerism. But that's not what the Scripture is talking about. What it's saying is that God wants us to abound so that then through the overflow, we're able to be a blessing to those who are in our world and around our world, that we can show the love of God financially we can show the love of God if we're living in fear and anxiety and worry how do you go up to someone unsaved and say to them you don't need to worry or be concerned the Lord is going to be there for you let me pray for you when you don't even believe it yourself you got your own anxiety and fear and worry but if you've got an abundance you go you know what it's going to be okay God is going to see you through let me pray for you let me believe for you let me pray for that job you know, uh, last week, we, look, uh, those that were here, Katie and, uh, and Talitha, who's up the back, um, two girls in our church, you know, when God prayed and believed and, and seen God come through, that gives you faith. So that when you, someone else is in a situation like that, then you can go, hey, you know what? God did this for me. God provided for me. Let me pray for you. We're going to believe that God's going to be the same God for you as he is for me, that he's a God who provides. That's how it works. Overflow is a kingdom attitude. It's God's way. And it doesn't mean that everything's always good. It doesn't mean that there's never times where we need to uh, stretch or, or, or sacrifice or, or budget. The B word. We read in 2 Corinthians 8.2 when it's talking about the Macedonian church. Paul wrote, to the Corinthians about the Macedonian church, and he said, in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. So it's not talking about just having resources, just having goods, just having finances. This overflowing spirit comes out of our relationship with God. And these, this Macedonian church 
although they were at, their, at that time extremely poor and in difficulty because of fam, a famine that was going on in that place, it says that because of what God was doing in their world and in their life, they were overflowing with joy in their life. It wasn't dependent upon their circumstances. It wasn't dependent upon their, uh, their um, physical circumstances. <laughs> It was, a, it was out of God's spirit coming into their world and then overflowing, bringing joy, and, and that that joy led to rich generosity. The sign that God is at work in our world is generosity of spirit, that we are looking to give financially. We're looking to give encouragement. We're looking to give hope that there's an overflow and abundance in our heart of joy in God that allows us to be someone that can meet a person's need at any time and at any point. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. That's what my desire is for our congregation, for our campus, that we would... That we would obviously work hard, that we would look to see God's blessing in every area of our life. But whatever we're doing and wherever we are, that there's a spirit of generosity, that we are encouragers of others, that we are people that lift people up and not bring people down, that we're the glass half full, not the glass half empty, where we're focusing on the positive and what God's doing and not living in denial regarding the other stuff, but that it's not the focus of our lives. That we can go, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I shall not want that my life will overflow in Jesus' name. Let's close our eyes this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that that spirit, that heart, that mindset would fill us. That overflowing joy would permeate our world. That is beyond just our physical, financial circumstances. But Father, that it would be a supernatural, divine spirit, a joy from God that flows out of our heart because we know that we've got a relationship with you, an awesome, abundant, loving, grace-filled, forgiving, healing God thank you Jesus